Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Right out of the gate, the exciting music getting your adrenaline pumping. This is Heidi Hatch <laughs> with KUTV2 News on Take 2. Joined by Mara Carabello, and is it Greg Hughes or not? No, he vacations a lot. Today we have Senator Todd Weiler in here today. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thanks, Heidi. I'm a poor substitute for Greg, so. Mm. Mm, I wouldn't uh, say that. Yeah, no, I don't think and, there and might I don't, be. I don't have any water flooding my basement either, so you we don't. can't you talk don't. about We that. can't talk about <laughs> Tragic your water stories you can relate. <laughs> well, do you have anything exciting going on in your life we should know about or really awful? Just uh, a lot of guys who can't access their porn calling me and yelling at me. You but have I, had a, Other than influx. that, <laughs> I was in inundated. Italy two weeks ago, so that was fun. Oh, vacation. I, yeah, vacation. Fun? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. You're Any, talking to our resident Italian here. Yeah, so yeah. I love it. Where did you go? Rome and Naples and uh, Sicily, uh, Palmero, a couple other places. But it was my first time. I mean, it's nice. just remarkable. I want to go back. Easy to travel? No yeah, problems? No problems at all. Good. Uh, what was your favorite part while you were there? Well, I did a Mediterranean cruise, so we hit uh, Tunisia, and we hit Marseille, mm, France, mm. and we hit um, Barcelona, Spain. But Rome, uh, of Italy, Rome, and then the uh, the Malfi Coast uh-huh. was amazing. That is beautiful. Amazing. That sounds so, wonderful. Yeah. Sicily was a little disappointing. So Interesting. Where's your family, so Mara? So we're Sicilian, Ooh. so it's probably a little unfair to even say I'm Italian, but yeah, Sicily. Different history than the rest of the country. Different history. So there you, know, you go, learning some new things from. about yeah. us. Um, yeah. But while you were in Italy, were you getting calls about Pornhub? Yes. Well, when I was in Barcelona is when the story oh, broke. Okay. So, and with the time difference, literally people were calling me at 3 in the morning uh, in Barcelona. <laughs> so did they you didn't pick know up? That. I would have let I, that go. I did because I was awake. But. So what was their main beef? Because there's other – Pornhub is not the only porn site out there. There was nowhere else they could go during those hours to – Well, in fairness, I think some people have paid subscriptions, and so Oh, okay. That. So um, they're still paying even though they're not their, getting their porn. Their main beef was they couldn't access it. They thought, you know, I was trying to block them, which, you know, the goal of my legislation was not targeted at adults. But I think the also, uh, also, I heard a lot, well, you can just get a VPN, so this is stupid, um, which I know, but I'm kind of trying to protect like 8 and 9 and 10-year-old kids, and they, they're not as VPN savvy as, you know, 30-year-old men looking for. <laughs> Did any of them convince you or change your mind that maybe you'd made a poor decision in your legislation that needs to be worked in the interim session? No, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, um, the clicks went down in Louisiana by 80% when they passed the same bill last year. And the whole argument is these men want to be anonymous, but then they call me, and so I have their phone number, often have their name. So I thought that was interesting, and they've it been emailing. They've been emailing me as well. So were any women calling upset, or was it just uh, one? Men? I got one okay. very, a very upset woman, and she has like attacked me on Facebook and text, and just will not let it go. So mm. she right. she likes her porn. I like people who are passionate. Yeah. I don't. I mean. 
Here we are. We talked about this last week. So do you have anything new and exciting you'd like to share with us? Or you could share more Pornhub stories. I mean, I, I don't want to outdo uh, Italy, but I was at Willard Bay this morning, ooh, ooh. which is so like is the it, Amalfi Coast. Is it filling up? Is it more full than It is year? almost full. We were covering with your own Lincoln Graves, KUTV. You'll see it today. They, I think Channel 2 did a live spot, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, they're almost full, but the story was that they're diverting now to another canal so that Weber won't get flooded anymore and the Great Salt Lake will fill. Um, I here's here. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna test out this little factoid. We're always looking for ways to translate water, right? Yeah. So this is what an engineer told me today: a thousand cfs, which mm. means nothing, right? Cubic feet is per second. Second, yeah. right? Is four thousand basketballs a second? Ooh. I know. I don't quite know. <laughs> Feel free to use it. Four thousand basketballs a second. That's how fast. That's, that's how much a lot of volume. basketballs like that's throwing a lot of basketballs. At you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how many feet deep is Willard when it's at its full oh, extent? I can't remember. They, say? I, they did. Okay. It's it's some feet. Some I want to say I don't. I'm going to get it wrong now. I feel okay. like I want to say 165. Tune into KUTV Two News if you want to exactly. see later this evening. There's some real reporting done. Yeah. By no, I'm interested in that two. too because um, <laughs> I was telling you on our way in that. It's been empty, empty for a couple of yeah. years. It was two summers ago. I went there with my dad in our boat that sometimes drives and sometimes doesn't. And we jumped out worried we were going to have to kick it all the way back. But we're able to walk, you know, belly button high all the way across Just Willard Bay. It's a casual back. stroll. See, you'd have to swim. It's kind of a gross feeling, I'm going to be honest. It's very, like, muddy, mucky sort of. It feels sort of, mm-hmm. I don't know, Princess Bride where you're in that mm-hmm. swamp where you make it sucked down into it. So I don't recommend it as something fun to do. But if you have to save your life, There were you some can. beautiful fishing boats out today. There were you could, you could see lots of fish dump. And there were some pelicans. Mm. Ooh. That was cool. And you know what? The birds, they rely on water, so this is good. Yeah, it was all good. And all right. we have enough to stop the flooding, fill it up, and then we'll stop diverting to the Great Salt Lake soon and start filling up the reservoirs in the morning. Well, your morning um, helps us transfer into a few things that I want to talk about. If you recall about a year ago, maybe more than a year ago, uh, Governor Cox uh, was lambasted for asking people to pray for, I think, did he ask for rain or moisture? I don't I think know. rain. I hate moisture, but he asked people to pray for rain. Well, it worked. Uh, we got lots of rain, lots of snow, but a lot of people were saying that praying was not a policy issue. Interestingly enough, um, after we've got all of this blessed moisture that we've received in the great state of Utah, he is staying on top of making sure that we don't forget that we're the second driest state in the nation. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to get out of that. It's just how we are. We are a high mountain desert. But uh, yesterday, he put out an executive order requiring water conservation at state facilities, which is interesting because he's staying on top of the ball while we're all complaining about having too much water. Mara, is this important that we continue the drought conversation while we're having so much water we don't know what to do with it? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, what it was, it was more effective communication than it was uh, necessarily an executive order. The executive order said, do the law, kind of. I mean, it wasn't wasn't newsy from that perspective. But what I liked is it's you're continuing to see with both the governor's office and the legislative branch saying, hey, listen, we didn't solve everything. We got a reprieve, but we got to change our behavior. We have to treat water differently in large part because of our aridness, but also because of the growth that we want and how do we facilitate that. So I loved his executive order as an important communications tactic uh, in terms of content, uh, I I wouldn't worry too much that it was new law or new orders. It was sort of just do what's already there. 
Yeah, I think the state needs to set the example. I think cities and counties should as well. And you'll always see people mad when, you know, if the city's setting a bad example. Yeah. Um, I went to Robin Hall last Friday for a little concert, um, not from the Utah Symphony, but there was a different symphony there. But they had their sprinklers on, like, mm. at 7 p.m. when I was walking in with my wife. And they were sprinkling, like, flower pots that were three inches full of water. Oh, <laughs> no. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so hopefully they get that fixed. And that people love to just eat government alive for that. If you if it's raining outside on one of our rare rain days and someone's got their sprinklers on, people will post yeah. it and they will um, go after you. And so this is probably an important reminder. What I'd like to see, and I don't know how much money it would cost, but if you live in a wet state like Florida, when I lived there, you had uh, – a gauge, so when it filled up with water, it knew that your sprinklers weren't going to turn on. I wonder if we need to move to that here in Utah where if it's raining, you're not turning on either. I mean, it's for different reasons, you know, that we're trying to save water. But, I mean, inevitably, there's not someone 24 hours a day at state and government buildings to plan ahead. So but nice not to plug this, but you can this year because of some great allocations by the state, $8 million extra dollars from the legislature. Uh, you can look at turf, turf removal programs, but you can also look at smart technology like that. Uh, you can get rebates for changing out your sprinkler heads to be smarter technology. You can get those from, like, if you go to Utah WaterWise, I think is Water what Wise. it is. Okay, so that's we good are to starting to want to prioritize and transition to smarter sprinkler technology. Just so everyone knows, Mara is our in-house I water expert. I love water. Expert. I know. I know. It's not sexy. I'm, I'm just glad the state hasn't gone back to, if it's yellow, let it mellow. Mellow. There if were... it's brown, flush it down. <laughs> I remember they used that when I went to a girls' camp when I was probably like 13 years old. There was a song about that. They used to do it yeah. on TV commercials, like yeah. PSAs. I kind of yeah. remember the jingle in my head. It 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 grosses you out, but you. you do have to say we all can. Yeah, we, we all, all can say it and visualize left it. Yeah. A mark. Yeah. All right, well, so to speak, we <laughs> may have to go back to that. Speaking of water and maybe porn at the same time, let's see how these fit together. <laughs> remember when Utah had a porn czar? Uh, we're about to get Paula Houston. Yes, yeah, see, you remember. Really? Nice. Yeah. So that was controversial. We're about to get, I don't think we're supposed to call them the water czar, but there is going to be a great Salt Lake commissioner possibly named as early as this week, um, Governor Cox, uh, Brad Wilson, Stuart Adams, all of our leadership have interviewed candidates. We might have someone. Is there anything that we think this is like a bright light or is this communication thing? Is there help that's going to come from this or is this just one more czar for the state of Utah that may or may not do any good? I, I think um, the idea is the buck has to stop somewhere. And right now there's not one person who's kind of over seeing the Great Salt Lake and is responsible for it and has to answer and be accountable for it. Um, I, I don't know who the finalists are, but I'm, I'm hoping when we have one person who's reporting the legislature, reporting the media, and kind of telling everybody else what to do or what they should be doing, I think that'll be helpful. Mara, what do you think? I think if it works the way that they want it to work, it's a great idea because, you know, communication is important. We work in the communications business here at KUTV, and sometimes I think we're really bad at communicating with each other just from one office to another because those conversations are important. They get things done. They make sure uh, that there's boxes checked where they need to be and find problems if they exist. Yeah, I think the who on this is really going to matter. It's mm -hmm. a great concept. It's a, it's a really nice instructional um, position, 
it's going to be a little tricky. I hope I hope this person leans towards sort of a water engineer, water policy person. But I, you know, but I also will say the strong skill set is going to need to be communication because what this law does is doesn't necessarily take away authority from any existing authority. For example, the Department of Water Resources. But what it does is have a, as Todd said, well, a central point. Yeah. So this person's going to have to be really artful about having authority and control, but also having peers that have been around for a long time and maybe checking each other out a little bit about how they're going to work together. Not because they don't want to work together, but you insert another power structure. Um, and and so, again, this doesn't have – it's not taking authority from anyone, yeah. but it is asking them to be the center point. I think it will help them. They'll be able to shine a spotlight on – what needs to be yeah, done. Yeah, weaknesses maybe or yeah. areas we're not communicating well All right, about. we'll be watching to see if it works. Uh, I, I hate to call people czars, but we also have somebody over homelessness in the state too. And maybe it's for lack of communication, but I don't know a lot of what's going on and if that yeah. position's even working because we keep hearing problems about homelessness. And I believe in the interim uh, session, there's going to be some talk about um, homeless issues. And so I'm interested to see if that position that we've made is really making a difference so the state homeless coordinator is Wayne Niederhauser, yes. former Utah Senate president. I'm not sure what he does all day from you know eight to five, but he does come to the legislature each year with some gravitas because we know him, we trust him, and um, he's been very effective in in getting the legislature to continue to make huge appropriations for you know affordable housing and other issues. So, so you feel like it's working? It's from my perspective, it's absolutely working. Which is what we need to have things working. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Wayne, and I think he has actually done exactly that. Brought gravitas. He's a serious policy yeah. person. He knows how to navigate. I still think that we haven't found a single direction, and we don't have universal momentum. I mean, you see cities like Salt Lake City who are claiming it's a state problem. I think that's a little unfair to those major cities. I think the state actually came in ironically, arguably at the time with Speaker Hughes, they sort of came in with a vengeance and the yeah. city was incredibly resentful. And, and Spencer Cox. Right, and now, and, and Ben McAdams. Yeah. And they came in and the city was ticked off about that and now the city is like, wait, it's not our issue, it's the state's. We um, we spread out our, our facilities and then we didn't fully fund them. And the royal we in there is true. I mean, I think everyone was... That was sort of what I think uh, Wayne was brought in to sort of figure out is who's in charge of what, who has the go-ahead. And I don't think, despite his good work, I don't think we have a clear direction. And I don't think we have a clear ROI in what we should invest in services and, and what we invest in law enforcement. And let me just add, uh, um, I'll leave that there, but let me just add that before Wayne, it was kind of often the mayor of Salt Lake. So when there was some animosity between Jackie Biskupski and the legislature, you know, before Wayne was in that position, then maybe homelessness uh, services would, would, you know, wane or falter because of that animosity. And in fact, you know, it was very interesting to me because Erin Mendenhall, who was just on the city council, she kind of stepped in to that void with Jackie Biskupski fighting with the legislature and, and was able to negotiate some things that I think helped propel her into um, her current position. Yeah, and Charlie Luke. We should give a hat yeah. off Charlie Interesting. Yeah. I'm yeah. learning sure new things here did today. the heavy lifting there. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's a lot going on in the interim session and going back to water issues. Uh, there's a lot that's going to be going on, asking questions there. Uh, legal issues accounting for safe water, including the impacts of secondary metering, agriculture optimization, and turf removal. Uh, let's start with turf removal real quick. Uh, you were talking about this. Uh, 
is this a good idea? Because I remember a while ago you were talking about your daughter playing out on some turf fields, as in not grass, the yeah. artificial turf, yeah. and they were extremely hot. I've heard the same from others where we're starting to rip out the natural grass, put in these turf fields, and while we're saving water, we're creating these heat zones where it's insanely hot to play on. They're not always usable throughout the year and maybe just creating these pockets of heat throughout the city. Are there wise ways that we have to do it if we're going to be flipping turf? Yeah, so um, Utah's a little behind the Intermountain West with these programs, and they're really focused on non-functional turf. So I would be among the advocates that say, no, ball fields or, or soccer fields um, are functional turf. that They exist so you're running around in them. And that, for me, wouldn't be where I'd start. Where I would start is our parking strips, and maybe we don't really use our front yard, but we use our backyard. Or maybe we have a park that's two blocks away, and we should think of putting native plants in all of us. So I don't think the target is grass that you use all the time and that you love and that you want to use, whatever your sense of using grass is. I think there's a lot of places, there's a lot of... um, city spaces, and the cities will be the first to tell you this. They're, I'm not outing them. There's city spaces, there's church spaces, there's lots of municipal and industrial spaces that would happily say, um, yeah, I'll rip out my non-functional grass and I'll put in something that'll be cheaper to maintain and better for our water supply. So I think those who are focused on volume, yeah. like fields, that's not the biggest variable. The biggest variable is how much does the actual grass get used? I agree with Mara, and I think that parks um, are therapeutic for people. I mean, look at Central Park in New York. Um, I, I think it, we should be focusing on flipping our strips, and I'm not convinced that the government should have to pay people to do that. I was prepared to do mine last year, and my wife and I couldn't agree what we'd do with it, so I just turned the sprinklers around so we weren't watering the street and the sidewalk. <laughs> and that I was went, nice of you. I, I pretty much let it die, but now it's, it's come back, even though I didn't water it all last summer. So wow. it's about 75% back. So if it died, you were just going to go for it, and it didn't matter. If yeah, you I'm still going to flip it, but I'm not going to ask the government to pay for it. Mm. I mean, I'll be interested right. to see who wins on that, you or your wife. Well, she's Would you not like to necessarily. Tell us what your disagreement was she, and what you want to plant. She's not necessarily Do you want our against marijuana, or she's not against <laughs> flipping it. She just doesn't trust me to not make something ugly. She wants mm. it, something, a professional, something beautiful. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, you were mentioning that you are metered now for your secondary yes. water, and that's something that they're going to be discussing in the legislative session. Are they going to be looking at requiring this for all cities and municipalities, or how is this going to work? So I think the target was primarily Davis and Weber and part of Utah County where people like me had unmetered secondary water. So I've been in my house for 26 years, uh, and up in, uh, before last year, before 2022, I paid a flat fee, and it's very low. I don't know, maybe like 80 bucks a year. And I could use as much water as I wanted. Nobody metered it. Nobody, you know, unless Were my you turning your hose on and just letting it run no, down the driveway no. just for fun? Just because you could? Well, <laughs> Look on, how rich on, I am. Only after dark. No, <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I have friends that live up on the hill in Bountiful, and they have to pay, like, huge amounts of, you know, like $500 a month to water their lawn. So it's kind of a have and have not. But I live down, you know, on the west side where, you know, where not the rich people live. But in any event... Um, so last year, I was I was logging onto my app like every week and making sure I wasn't using too much water. So I think, although it's hard to change, I think it was a really good change. My neighbors were also like talking to me about like, oh, how much water do you think we really need? And I got an allotment. I wasn't even using was what I was allotted by Weaver Water. So I was using less. Interesting. So. Sometimes seeing the numbers helps. It's like people yeah. say it works when you have something counting on your wrist to tell you how many steps you're getting in yeah. a day because. Yeah. 
you know what you're doing. So. I think that was exactly the philosophy. There's that adage that says you can't change what you can't measure, yeah. right? And so the state really smartly took a huge chunk of the ARPA, or the you know, the federal money, and decided that instead of, so several years ago, the state said, hey, y'all have to start changing over these secondary meters. But they're pretty pricey. They're like 1500 buck, yeah, a piece. So they were working their way through with the water districts and the state yeah. was working. When, when we had more federal funds available, and the Senate actually led the way saying, we're going to chunk this off. So they gave everybody a deadline, like five years. It yeah. was a reasonable amount Sen of time. Senator Jake Anderegg. And they said, no, we have to do this, in part with the philosophy of, it, we can't measure, it, we can't change it, right? So yeah. we're not quite sure, I think, what comes next. But what this does is now uh, take another additional step into saying, Utahns, uh, the, largely the conservancy districts and the irrigation companies, will at least know what's going where and how much is going where. And uh, this is largely, as Todd said, mostly in northern Utah do we have these systems but there are like pockets in Utah County yeah. that have them. So it's wherever when anyone had access to secondary irrigation. Water. And in my mind, all the water I'm saving is going into Greg Hughes's neighborhood. So <laughs> you're just sending it straight <laughs> you're to him. Willing, you're in my mind, that's there. how it works. That's yeah. where your prayers yeah. are going. No, yeah. just I know. The cup runneth <laughs> over in his neighborhood. That's, so. that's where mine is, too. I, I too, am sending all Maybe my Maybe they could change Greg that Hughes's into basement. their secondary water system. If you have an aquifer under your house, yes. can you stick a hose I mean, in it and hook it to your sprinkler system? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That'll be the question we have to ask another day. Uh, in the interim session as well, there's a ton of random conversations that are going to be coming up. One of them I think is interesting is the non-compete restrictions, and I believe it was 2019 uh, specific to broadcasting that uh, the legislature got rid of those non-competes, which made a big difference to people who are working in television. You sign contracts, you have a non-compete, and until then, if you were let go from your station or you chose to leave because you wanted a different job, you would either have to sit out for a year or move to another state to make that happen. I did that when I was working at ABC four years ago around the Olympics. I wanted to have a different job, wanted to, you know, move up in my career. And the way I was able to do that was moving to Florida and then had to come back to Utah. So I think it kind of uh, freed the chains for a lot of people. But now the question comes up, should other businesses in the private sector do the same? Should it be against the law? Are there reasons that we're looking at it? Are there businesses that say, hey, we've got to look at this? Or are there employees calling you up? Or what's happening? So um, I'll give you a quick brief on this, because I'm on the Business and Labor Committee, and I Ooh. lived this. I actually chaired the committee where we had 27 people testify. But So it started off with one reporter at Channel 13 who wanted to leave um, uh, Nevea, uh, what's her Nineveh name? Nineveh Dinha. Yeah, it yes. started with her? It started with her. Okay. In fact, she called me and she called a few others. But where we landed at the next session, it was we limited them for all, everyone to one year. So California doesn't allow non-competes. So, so the bill that, w that we passed and has been in the law for the last four years is you still can have a non-compete, but it, it's limited to one year. Um, there are some exceptions, like if you sell your business to somebody, you can't come back 12 months and one day later and start competing with them. So there are some exceptions to that. But now we have some new legislator, a new legislator, Anthony Lubay, who didn't live through, doesn't have all the scars from the non-compete war. And that it got did. pretty nasty. It did. It got very nasty. Um, so we've got a brand new legislator. It's like, hey, let's, you know, let's start cherry picking this for certain industries. And so he ran a bill. The House passed it. The Senate killed it. I don't think anything's going to change in interim this year. It is on the interim study list. But I think a lot of us are like, we're not going to go back and pick at scabs. This was a hard-fought, you know, compromise, and we'll 
probably just leave it where it is. So it's one year. It used to, the, the, the rule of thumb, I'm, I'm an attorney, I think you guys know that. The rule of thumb before that was two years, that you know, two years was mm -hmm. okay. And anything beyond two years was probably on thin ice, but now it's one year. So, so, I mean, you'll see a lot, you'll see me lacking a logic stream here, but I keep having two minds on this. And one is, I like the outcomes. I mean, I tend to think that they have helped those industries, but I keep getting tripped up about whether it's the role of government, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, it's an interesting where I'm like, I look yeah. at the outcomes to the industry and I think, yes, but part of me is like, well, do you just let the industry itself I mean, you'd have to have complete acceptance. If yeah. you had one breach, then, you know, I mean, if you had had one station that's like, hey, we will take, we don't care. We'll take anybody. A lot of business yeah. owners will tell you, because they've told me, you know, they'll hire someone young. They'll spend about six months training, training them, them where they're getting no return on them. And then if they can just quit and go to work for a competitor or start their own, I mean, that, that's that's the issue. So how many, I think ultimately it'll hurt more people and it'll help if we did away with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I live with that frustration. That happens in my business. I'm a small business owner and I hate that. Yeah. But I don't know that I need the I government you. interfering. I hear you. I hate it. Like it drives me crazy. Yeah. And it absolutely happens, like clockwork yeah. with oh, some yeah. personality types. And mm -hmm. I think well, you, you little schmo, yeah. you did this on purpose. Yeah. But still I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about government. Yeah, I, and I can see both sides of it because I work obviously in television have for years and I can understand the frustration if you want to move someplace else but you're locked in but I also understand that we signed these contracts and businesses do you know sometimes it takes a while to build somebody up there's a lot of promotions that goes into it so there's definitely you know two sides to the issue so we do, we were not expecting it sounds like any massive changes in a domino to fall for other industries I don't know that I should say this but I'm going to but when <laughs> we were talking it. about doing away with them completely KSL, like they brought in the heavy brass and they wanted to keep that not compete. Which they, is interesting yeah, to they, me. I mean, yeah. they came in hard and fast. They, yeah, they, they lobbied really it. hard against they, it. And I would say that they haven't been hurt by it at all because, yeah. you know, there's plenty of people that have moved there. There's people yeah. that have moved away from their station too. But it was interesting to me how hard they fought. And some of the words that came out of some mouths during that, I was like, ooh. So, anyhow, we're yeah, not going to be returning Nobody to that. fought harder than KSL. <laughs> nobody <laughs> fought harder than KSL. But there were others fighting, but KSL certainly, they took a front They were the biggest seat. dog in the yeah. fight. Um, they were one of them, yeah, for interesting. sure. Interesting. Uh, we want to talk about some other issues, too, because there's a lot that's going to come up during this interim session. Uh, state labor laws for minors, which is interesting. I'm dying to know why this is coming up. Uh, apparently, our state law conflicts with federal law. Does this have anything to do with cookies? Cookies, polygamous farms, I mean, where is this I'm, coming from? I'm not from? sure, you know? but I actually um, was contacted during COVID because there, uh, I had a parent, you know, that I represent, in the, and they said, hey, my kid can work at Lagoon at 14, at the age of 14, but why can't they work? I mean, all the drive-throughs, I mean, all of the restaurants are closing their indoors because they can't get enough employees. And I actually researched there, and, and there is an exception for seasonal... Summer jobs, yeah. Seasonal work, and that's, you know, because Lagoon's seasonal company... And so I'm not sure where this, because uh, I, I decided not to pursue it, because, you you know, Utah, I, unbeknownst to some people, we can't overrule federal law, although some legislators <laughs> well, did not get ridiculous. that memo. Did not get that memo. So I'm not sure. I'll, I'll be hearing that, because I'm on that committee, but I'm not sure exactly what the push is on this right now. Yeah, and which cookie company? I forget, but we did a story about it, oh, and now I've forgotten. Oh, they it, were using... It was the crumb, Pink Box Crumble. crumble? Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to say their name if it wasn't them. But there are confusing them. laws, okay. because there are kids when, in the summertime... You can work, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of hours because you're not in school. You're certainly um, have fewer it steps hours. It up, you can right? Work. Like yeah. a certain age. And I think then at the 15 older and then get, 16, you yeah. can get more. 
But didn't we have a couple of cases in the cookie we, world about? Yeah, and uh, by the way, I love I love the cookie wars. I think we should always have a cookie. More war. cookies <laughs> is more cookies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I'm waiting for someone to come out and add a gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free cookie to the mix. That's delicious. That good. Yeah, so mm. if you're listening and you can make one of those. I mean, we had the soda wars and now the cookie wars. I don't mm-hmm. know what's coming next, but I'm just Something I'm just sugary. For it. I'm it's here Utah. For it. You're here for you're sugar. Here for I'm here for it, okay. whatever it is. Somebody that's milking their own cows and making ice cream. I guess BYU and Utah State do that already. I've got to yeah. be more creative. All right, well, the wars continue. ESG is going to be reviewed in the legislative session, and Mara... If people don't know what this is, this is environmental, social, and governance policies, which many people just call woke policies in how governments are funding their money. And this is an interesting thing because I don't think before maybe a year ago I even knew what ESG was. But we've got the legislature talking about it at the same time uh, Senator Mike Lee was talking about it on the national level. It's one of those hot-button topics that's happening right now. Is it an important conversation to be talking about how we're investing money and who those companies are, or do we just let the markets be markets and figure it out? Yeah, and Sean Reyes has jumped on this. So I think this is one of those and Sean Reyes, yes, interesting sorry. conversations that have been politicized, and now they're uninteresting headline conversations. Because I don't think sort of the name-calling and the generalization of woke culture and um, what people are doing. What's interesting about it is if you look at the biggest offender, if you will, or the largest uh, investment block, it would be focused on environmental companies. I say that in a large swath, right? And so, but what's interesting about that is they're shown to be really good investments. So um, the reason I think it's been overly politicized is that they're lacking the conversation about investment back. I mean, sort of the criticism of it is that you're investing in the politics of it, not the, the not the real financial return on the investment. And yet, a lot of the stocks that are being criticized are actually high-producing companies and uh, the ones that are 20 and 30 and 50-year longevity ones. So for me, it's an interesting conversation that we have yet to have meaningfully because I think it's been hijacked a little bit to the headline uh, culture wars. And I don't think that's of much interest. And she mentioned, Reyes, before we um, go on to you here for a second, his testimony on Wednesday to the House Oversight Committee, uh, the Attorney General said of ESG, uh, it's an open conspiracy to bypass Congress and instead impose costly changes on American consumers using the power of horizontal agreements by key players in our financial system. When I listen to arguments over ESG, sometimes it sounds like word salad where I'm like, I don't know exactly what we're talking about here. Is there a conversation that can be had that's meaningful, as Mara said, in the legislative session, this interim session? Yeah, I mean, we we passed some ESG uh, we passed some ESG legislation already last February, so I'm not sure why we're taking a second, um, you know, bite at that apple. Um, but ESG is the new CRT. <laughs> so every every year you have There's to have a, 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 a three-letter acronym. Um, but yeah, so CRT was 2022 or 2021, ESG is 2022, 2023, but I do think it's real. And I do think that there are forces. I'm not going to call it a conspiracy theory, but, um, I'm not going to go that far, but there are forces at work and they are not conservative forces. Let's leave it at that who are trying to implement policies, um, that could never get through Congress. Um, uh, especially now that the Republicans took the house and kind of force our, our, our corporations and our country in a direction that would be more like France 
Um, and yeah, and I think conservatives, um, again, I'm not going to jump on a conspiracy bandwagon, but I think conservatives are right to be alarmed. It kind of snuck up on everybody during COVID. And, you know, our state treasurer, you know, has pulled $100 million out of, uh, I think, BlackRock and said, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, if that's the game you want to play, we're going to take our toys and go but home. These are high producing so, funds. They, I mean, they are. That's, the, that's the criteria of they investment are. spending is are you getting your investment back? And when we've had other big monopolies in America that have been underwritten by the government for years, I mean, that's been our financial model since Alexander Hamilton. None of that's really new. But if, if there's no curb put on it, I think as a fiduciary, I think it's appropriate for the straight treasurer to say, I want our money in a fund that is focused exclusively on ROI and not on um, liberal agenda, a liberal agenda. Points. Who cares what so. the agenda is on ROI? But they have yet to show that the quote liberal agenda isn't producing an ROI. Uh, and, and I think that the, the the focus is what's going to happen over the next five or ten years if they stop focusing on return on investment and start focusing on let's reward the companies who are doing what we like and punish the companies that aren't. Put your money where your mouth is, I guess. Yeah. But the money is where. The it is now. Investment is. The money feeds our mouth I mean, that, sometimes. That's, that's what is the predictor of investment. Yeah. I will say, I think some Republican politicians, this is just the new CRT. They can thump their chest. They can speak about it. There is that element to it, but I'm not going to dismiss it completely. I think there is something there. I think somebody sitting in a high castle somewhere coming up with what we're supposed to talk about, you know, each year. In, in each, a lone chair that yes, swivels. Yes, figuring out, yeah. yes, and it kind of creaks across the floor. Uh-huh. Just yeah. like they will talk about this in legislative <laughs> yeah, sessions. they will. Uh, one thing that's sort of Utah-centric you guys are talking about, and I think this one's an important one, uh, film incentives for, for for rural Utah and whether or not they should continue. I know some people are very much against those. Uh Yellowstone left because I think they didn't get their incentives. A lot of people were mad because it was awesome to have up here in Utah. Do we have to spend money in these incentives to make money, or is that just wrong and these liberal Hollywoods, they should just go someplace else? So first of all, let's be clear. Yellowstone left. We continued to give them the same incentives. Oh, you did? But Montana outbid us with higher incentives. That's why Yellowstone left after season two. Um, we've got Kevin Costner back. He's he's going to produce yeah. his next three. In fact, he's shooting right now in Moab. When I say right now, I mean this month. I have a friend who's in the production. An extra? An extra, yeah. But he grew his beard out for it. But um, we essentially wrote a check for about $8 million to Kevin Costner last in 2022 and said, please come back to Utah. So I voted against that bill because I'm fine with proper incentives. I, I was concerned that this was too much of a, of a giveaway. But I do think um, I do think there is a return there. I'm not anti-film um, incentives. I just think they need to be structured properly, and I'd rather it be kind of a post-performance. Show us what you did. Show us what money you spent, rather than you know. So sort of a tax refund kind of system instead ins- of writing ins- a check first, which is a, where we have been. A bribe. We've always been post-performance on our incentive program in Utah. But we're not on film right we, now. We no, we always and and we got to the point where with the film commission actually had already, I mean, there was really nothing for them to incentivize because they had already essentially used the allocation. The differentiation for me that is so, so, so important is rural Utah. This is a really good alternative economic stream for a handful, not everybody. I don't want to say it's it's not like the 25 counties are all the same, but there's a handful of counties for whom this can be significant in terms of not only cash in the door for people eating lunch, but also just exposure to the beauty that is Utah and can aid to tourism. So I think that there is, for me, a tipping point as well. You have 
some states like Georgia and North Carolina who are over, I don't know how they're ever going to get their money back. I think we're a little underserviced in coming to that perfect place, in, particularly in rural Utah, where a little bit is, and it's post-performance, is going a long way to um, immediate economic benefit in some counties that are having a hard time right now, so it matters, and also sort of long-term elevating their financial viability. I forward this. Yeah, and uh, I, again, I, I just I think we got to make sure that the structure is right. I'm not sure that Utah has it right, but I have a theory. I'm a Yellowstone mm, okay. fan. I think Kevin Costner is walking away from Yellowstone because – Utah has offered him all this money to do these next to come three back projects. and do something else. And I think rather than working for Taylor Sheridan, he wants to do his own thing where he's mm. the producer. I mean, I'm 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 pretty sure I'm right. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know all the drama on that, know. and I've only watched oh, one episode of, of it. So, and well, it, he it's ending soon, right? Well, only because he's walking away. That wasn't the plan until about three months ago. The whole the series though is ending, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. it's or at least and they're he, not just killing. He him hasn't off. agreed to film the second half of the latest season, so everybody's been like waiting for three months for the next episode, and they haven't even started shooting it yet. So mm. Interesting. He's going to get trampled by a horse stampede or something. Yeah, I feel like something. that just opens itself yeah. up to a really good killing. Yeah. I know. I've heard it's a great show. I haven't watched it. Haven't Working yet. at night, it's sometimes hard to watch shows because it feels weird when you're home in the morning to sit down and relax and watch a show. You feel like you have to yeah. do jobs. So I don't watch a lot of the shows that all the cool kids watch. So yeah. I've got to get on that. Um, interesting to see how that happens. Um, we talked about homeless issues one thing that's coming up, too, is state prison staffing in the legislative session, which is going to be interesting to talk about because we've had several officers that have been injured. This is a brand-new state prison, a lot of funding, a lot of planning, a lot of work went into this. Mara, is there something the state can do in the legislative session to fix this, or have we just created another problem and we have to live with I mean, I think we, we have new some le- new leadership. I think... This is one of those areas where I want to be careful and always start with every professional's trying, right? It's it's not that people, I don't think the guards there don't care, but I I join the many who are disappointed with not only the cost overruns and the uh, early indications of problems like the faulty soil and the bugs out there, and now we're acting like these are new challenges. You have a newly developed... Um, infrastructure that's not even working. It's not working as well as the old one. So I do think an evaluation, I think the test of leadership is to make changes when you need to and not try and hide things that maybe happened that weren't ideal. I think as of this month, we're on our fourth director of the State Department of Corrections in five years. Um, I will tell you as a legislator, I'm probably speaking more frankly than I should, I feel duped. Um, I was kind of on the bubble voting for the new prison like six or seven years ago. We were promised two things. It would cost less than a half billion dollars. It cost almost double that. And we were promised that a lot of the savings would be recouped because we would need less guards with this new design. And now we're being told we need more guards with the new design. So I'm very upset. Now, I I can't go back in time and change my vote. And it would have passed without my vote. But um, this... This is the biggest boondoggle. I've been in the legislature for 12 years. I'm very upset. I just feel like I got tricked. So. Who do you feel like is at fault in this? How do you rewind and say, okay, how do we fix this and well, how do we? Part of this was just rising construction costs, and yeah. I don't know that that's anybody's fault. Um, we've all seen it. I mean, West High School, they're going to tear down West High School and rebuild it. If they'd have done it five or ten years ago, it would have been half the price of what it is It's just wild today. to think about. And if they wait five more years, it's probably going to be double the price. And so part, part of it is just, it's hard. 
hard to predict the future. But these design things, I mean, I was told 30 times that this new design, we would need less labor, we'd need less prison guards, and we'd save money for the next 50 years by doing that, even though the prison was going to be atrociously expensive. And then, of course, it turned out to be $400 million more than we thought than it was supposed to be. But we've paid for it. That's the good news. We've already It's already paid for. But what we can't pay for in perpetuity is the extra guards that yeah. we need that. And the interesting thing is the way it's built, it's a lot more, I guess, closed off. So there's not those open areas where guards were supposed to be um, maybe not as secure. And so I don't even understand where the extra need is coming from. So I guess that's where our investigative reporting will have yeah, to I'm, work on that. I'm upset. All right. I'm upset. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, Mauro, you'll love this. Uh, the Utah legislature, during its interim session, may look at drag shows. Yeah. And um, my understanding is they're trying to figure out if some of these adult-oriented shows should be open to families on government property, whether it's at parks or you know city office buildings, wherever they're having it. Is this something we should be deciding, or is this just part of the arts, and if you don't want to show up, don't show up to it? So this is not a problem. This is... This is moral signaling and cultural uh, conversations. Drag's been around since Utah started. Uh, Who started drag would be the members of the pioneers and the church groups, and they often dressed up. There's a long history of men dressing up as women. In fact, when we were chattel not too long ago, Heidi, you and I couldn't act on the stage, and we had to have men playing women's roles. This is so nothing. Definitionally, drag isn't adult content. Now, we there is such a thing as adult content, and that's not what's going on in your parks. And a really good way when you don't want to watch or if you're worried about what a drag show is, don't take your kids. So I think this is so made up. And Although the pioneers ado. were really, even if they um, dressed like the opposite sex, it was modest as hottest. There was not a lot of leotards. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, Maybe there you know, was. that was a time when we were breaking federal laws, too. So I just, I don't think this is a real issue. I think this is a bunch of virtue signaling. Um, I think it is mean-spirited. I also think there is enough room in Utah for all of us. And we don't seem to be talking much about that right now. We seem to be wanting to pick at groups who aren't like us. Instead of saying, you know what, in my community, there's enough room for everybody. And in my village and in my place, there's enough room for everybody. And I can give you enough space to be you as long as you give me enough space to be me. And yes, there is a bar of lewdness and adult content. But I think that is a red herring when you lead with it and say, that definitionally drag shows are adult content. It's not true. Definitionally, they are performances that are age-appropriate. And if you don't think they're age-appropriate, it's like movies. I kind of look at the PG, but I always decided for myself if my kids were going to consume that, regardless of what Hollywood told me was consumable by my child. So make choices for your children. Make good choices. But what I'm most struck by is this dialogue that there's not enough room for everybody in Utah, and I will push back and say, no, there's enough room. Is there room at public parks for drag shows, and can you just stay home with your kids, Mr. Weiler? Well, my kids are all adults, but I have grandkids that are one and three. And and let me first off say, I probably would not take my grand. I know I wouldn't take my kids to uh, my grandkids to a drag, drag show, but if they saw one, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. But here's the thing. I think there is a difference between... William Shakespeare's plays being performed a couple hundred years ago with men as women actors and some of these drag shows, because some of them are 
um, I think borderline adult, some of them, not all of them, and I'm not afraid of drag shows, but I will say to answer your question, Heidi, I think the Constitution, uh, the U.S. Constitution and the First Amendment and freedom of speech, I think it does protect drag shows in parks. Unfortunately, because I've unfortunately had to research this issue, there was a House bill brought last year by, I think it was Representative Colin Jack, and he was responding to you know what happened in St. George with the city manager being fired and then a huge payment being made. And so I, that kind of dropped in our lap in the Senate because the House just passed this bill that I think was clearly unconstitutional. And I worked with Evan Vickers and others in trying to fix the bill. We kind of came up with um, a partial fix and then it, it didn't pass. I mean, it never got voted on in the Senate, but this is a thorny issue. Um, and I don't, I, anyways. So if it's constitutionally I think protected, it's con- why I think is it's this constitutional. on a list of things to talk about? Because, because, and I did not have, five years ago I did not have drag shows for, kindergartners on my 2023 bingo card. But for whatever reason, (laughs) Heidi, the liberals have decided that our kindergartners and our first graders, they have to be exposed to transgenderism. They have to be exposed to drag queens. And I think that this is, I think this is a bad strategy for the Democratic Party to say, to go after our young, young kids. I'm not afraid of any of these things, but same with pornography. Let our little kids be little kids. And when they grow up, they can choose to be Republicans. They can choose to go to drag shows. They can choose to be Democrats. But going after our kids, I think you're going to see a huge revolt. And you're seeing that in Utah. And that's why we're talking about it. So just mandatorily, I'm I'm just required to respond to all the dogs. Yes, you are. There. So liberals don't want to yes, objectify children. There's not that big of a difference between liberals and conservatives when it comes to the health and welfare of children. Uh, People want to do what's right. Uh, Putting people in camps is not going to help us. There's enough room for everybody. Everyone wants safe, healthy children. No one wants to expose them to harmful things. That's not a thing. I mean, there's a handful of predators that are so small that it is incredibly unfair to take broad words and say, hey, these people want harmful. I think those conditions don't allow us to get to really good policy because we start responding to each other's dog whistles. I'm going to end with saying there's enough room in Utah for everybody to be here and live and express themselves the way they want and take care of our children. Let kids be kids. We don't need to sexualize them when they're five, six, Everyone seven agrees years old. with that, No, Todd. they don't. They, they, they vilified Governor DeSantis when he said, they, you can't talk about those issues about in kindergarten. They vilified him. We're talking He's a about horrible Utah. person. We're talking about St. George. We are good people, and our kids, we have a common goal of making sure our kids it, are healthy. It's a bad political strategy. It will backfire, and it is backfiring already. So. All right. Mark both of your words. We'll see how this works out. Final question of the day. Um, Salt Lake City Councilwoman um, Amy Fowler was arrested and charged with DUI um, this week. She is stepping away from some of her uh, duties on the council while this case plays out for about a month. And this brings up a question of whether or not Utah should have a way to say, okay, if you're not just charged with crime, but if you're eventually convicted with it, is there a way to say, okay, maybe you shouldn't have that position if you don't want to step down? Or should we say, hey, you know what? There's always another election, and if people don't want to have someone in this position, they can get rid of them. Uh, Mara, just some details on this case. I believe she was double the legal limit. It was 11 a.m. She lives in Salt Lake City. She was found in Springville. So the case hasn't played out yet. But should Utah, should people who live in Salt Lake City or wherever these things are happening have the ability to say, okay, you're not representing this how we want? Or are you stuck with it because that's how elections work? 
So right now in the state of Utah, the law would tell you that you're stuck with it. Although we do have for statewide offices and state legislature, we have some impeachment procedures, but that would be the body talking to the representative. And they have a pretty um, well outlined course of what would be acceptable impeachment. And um, and so I think first, I won't personalize it because I hope she does well. And I hope, you know, she, she has acknowledged it and it should be pointed out that her journey has just started. She's not convicted of anything. Yes. And, um, and she seems to be speaking to her constituency. And so there is a conversation, I think, to be had there. And it's hard because I do think we should and should continue to hold our elected officials to a higher standard. And yet at the same time, what's great about the way America picks representatives is that they're us. And we're all messed up a little bit, right? And we're all dealing with our own things. So I think there's runny, plenty of room to be graceful about it. But I do think there's a little bit of integrity that needs to be earned back. I am interested in having more of the conversation about recall elections. But if I were to ever be supportive, which I'm, I don't think I am right now, um, I think they would have to have such conditions around them because you have an additional expense that's not nothing, and you also can use it as a political lever. Um, and I don't think either of those are desirable. But what do you do? Uh, we don't have a history here in, of holding people accountable for, like, their votes. I don't mean that in a bad way, but we don't tend to, like, look at our legislative le- list and say... I like the person, but he only represented my point of view. We don't, and maybe that's good, <laughs> but we don't tend to have these really gritty elections. So maybe at a moment like this, you want a choice of recall. But I would want it to be incredibly narrowly defined, in part about when their re-election would happen, and in part about the nature of what would be allowed under a recall election. Should we be able to recall you if we want, Todd? If you're well, using too much water, I don't know. It sounds nice, but what happens is, is it makes the politicians, the elected officials, constantly having to be fundraising more and running, and there's no chance to actually govern. So I think from a policy standpoint, I think the states like Colorado where recall has been used, it's often used as a weapon, and and it usually isn't as cool as people think it will be. But to this situation, I want to first say drunk driving is reprehensible. I'm glad um, Councilmember Fowler wasn't hurt. I'm glad nobody else was hurt. There's no excuse for it in this day and age with Uber and Lyft and with smartphones. But with that said, I, I'm not one to kick someone when they're down. Um, I think that her council, if they want to, the Salt Lake City Council, if they want to censure her or do a no confidence vote, that, that will be up to them. I will say this. Um, we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. None of us want to be judged by our weakest moment. And I'm not going to kick her when she's down. I will say we've had legislators like Sheldon Kilpack 13 years ago who were, was caught and arrested drunk driving who did resign. Um, so there's a precedent for that in the state. But I think that's a decision she has to make really in consultation with her um, constituents and with the other members of the Salt Lake City Council. I think that's the important part about how government works here is you're a constituent, you know, and your voice matters. So talk to your elected officials, have that conversation, be a part of it. So... We'll I, I will say something else I shouldn't say. I, I'm on the committee. You that, want calls about but, porn in the middle of the no, night? No, no. I'm say? on the committee that reviews all the judges, the state court judges, and we devote to confirm them once the governor appoints them. I'm not going to say who, but we have one state court judge in, in Utah who was convicted of a DUI like 30 years ago. And he, he came in, and when he, when he interviewed with my committee in, in confidence, he said, this is a mistake I made. It was the biggest mistake of, I, I, I've, I, of my life. This is what I learned from it, and this is why I'll 
make uh, this was why I think it'll make me a better judge. Now, if it had been three years ago, it'd be one thing, but it was like 30 years ago, and he got unanimously confirmed. And so I don't think that this is a mistake that nobody can come back from, um, but I do think it's a big mistake, and I do think you know all elected officials should be uh, accountable to the voters. Very good. So, and I still stand by the fact that if you want to call Senator Todd Weiler or any of your representatives whenever you want, call Even them up. Even if they're yeah, on vacation. I, yeah, I usually let them know answer. what your beef just, is. Just text them. See, there's your I'm problem. I'm dumb enough to answer, so all I answer right. all well, the time. Well, I'm glad to know that you answer. If I've yeah. got a problem, I can call you up. You're not my representative. If you're not sure yeah. what their phone number is, go to Xero's yeah. website. We have the ledge yeah. on You this. have them all there. I know. I have a little book on my up. desk. Yeah. Open it up. So good information. Well, thank you for being here for this conversation. There's so many national issues and whatnot we have to get to in the coming weeks. So stick around. Thanks for joining us today, and have a happy weekend.